before it's too late podcast i'm maddie and i'm brooke and today we have our guest jacob hearn why hello (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what is podcast mode i guess Uh, you have to use like a sonorous voice right a sonorous sure yeah oh well hello everyone there it is. Welcome back. There it is. Um, to the jazz channel. I was going to say, I feel like I'm listening to smooth jazz. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jacob. Oh, well, uh, what, heck, what is there to say? Um, I was born at a young age. I, um, <laughs> yes, I was. Okay, so don't make fun of me. Um, no, I'm from uh, Central Point, Oregon. If you don't know where that is, it's right, uh, excuse me, right above Medford, Um and it's about a half hour away from the California border, um, a.k.a. 10 hours by drive from Santa Clarita, uh, straight up I-5. So uh, I am currently a junior at the Masters University, as many of these guests are, it seems, um, studying music, um, specifically music education. Uh, hopefully I'm going to be a band director. And um, the Lord really affirmed that uh, through um, an experience I had this summer with conducting. So it's been really awesome to see that play out. Um, yeah, I, I've just been really busy with uh, growing in musicality and in the Lord for the past couple of years. Um, okay, so another big part about my testimony is that um, I was a pastor's kid. And my dad, dad was a pastor all of my life, which really played a big part in the development of my spiritual walk, uh, as well as just me as a person. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was just uh, really interesting to grow up when everyone in the church is watching you and know who you are from the moment you were born. So it, it was an interesting experience. Hmm. And you said you study music. Do you play any instruments? Um, well, primarily I play trombone. The slidey boy um and just like trying to um get better at that um as much as i can i play in the university orchestra and the wind ensemble a trombone choir at one point playing a couple student-led groups um and then i also sing in the chorale and um, taking vocal lessons right now randomly so you know trying to all around a little here a little there a little here a little there um yeah as much as i can awesome Awesome. Okay. Brooke, do you have any questions? Um, Jacob, what's the best restaurant you've been to in California that Oregon does not have? Oh, my goodness. See, it's weird because Oregon has some of these restaurants, but in locations that are not near me. Oh, man. Um, I would say just based off guilty pleasure, probably Stonefire. <laughs> um, That's I, a good one. I've only had it a couple of times a couple times though and i don't know that's such a hard question because we have most of what you guys have we're not that different yeah i guess that's true yeah but maybe california has it better i'm just not trying to absolutely start absolutely not because we can breathe up there <laughs> yeah no <laughs> we have trees and commodities have you been to oregon i have i went with jacob actually this past summer when we were in corral together yes the corral came to Oregon and actually came to my church um, and everyone slowly began to fell, fall in love with Oregon. I will say something that Oregon has that California does not have, or at least Southern Oregon or Southern California does not have is Dutch Bros. Oh, yes. Are you familiar? I am. Their coffee is 
you can't call that coffee but it's so good i think that is something that i hear commonly wait that's a coffee place right supposedly well okay so like imagine the frappuccino side of starbucks Uh it's that but exemplified it's not really coffee Wait, what do they serve in the whatever they serve in the Oregon airport is amazing. So it's like coffee-based dessert. Oregon airport. Like frappuccinos. I, I'm pretty sure that's Starbucks. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not Starbucks. There's like a place in the Oregon airport that has like a coffee bar and whatever coffee they use is awesome. Hmm. But yep. it's like some local Oregon brand. The I thought it was Dutch Bros, but maybe not. Oh, Dutch Bros started in Grants Pass. Don't listen to me. I don't know anything. <laughs> uh, nah. Um, Dutch Bros started in Grants Pass, which is about a half hour from where I live. So it's everywhere. It's just, it's so, it, it's kind of crazy because everyone's a broista. No one's a barista. And it's like, it, it's just more of an experience. My dad hates it, for instance, but I love it. I don't know. It's just, it's just really chill people along yeah. with sugar. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a question. Do tell. Um, my question is, okay, I thought it was what, but Brooke says it's who. So what slash who celebrity is your spirit animal? Or I guess which celebrity. Which celebrity. Thank okay. you. <laughs> which celebrity. It's your um, Like represents you. Represents me. You know what? I'm not, I don't think I'm as weird as, but last night I was watching a Netflix special um fred armison comedy for or stand up for musicians okay. um, stand up for drummers actually and he just has this weird persona um first of all he's super funny which i aspire to be hopefully <laughs> I, I don't think i am by any means when i grow up <laughs> when i grow up i want to be fred armison no but he um he just uh is a really great musician who happens to be just like really funny and so i don't know i i would love to aspire to be him um, although he's, he's a weirdo and he's a self-admitted, self-proclaimed weirdo. So I'm, I'm not sure if I want to be that strange, but I do want to be funny and a good musician. <laughs> you feel like he in part represents your spirit. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I think. I, I guess. That sounds so much weirder than I meant it to say. Does he embody <laughs> your spirit? Yes. <laughs> Well, hey, that's a little fun fact. 100%. Oh. Oh, yikes. Okay. Um, We're chilling. So, Jacob, um, (laughs) would you you like to share how you came to know Christ? No. Okay. okay. (laughs) No. I would love to. Um, So, like I said, I was born um, at a young age. I was actually born in Washington, uh, way northeastern Washington, like Colville area. It's about 45 minutes from the Canadian border, northeastern, above Spokane. Um, it was very small town. Like I'm a 99 baby. Um, but like I relate to all the nineties babies cause my town was like 10 years behind the times. <laughs> um, so like I said, my dad was a youth pastor. Um, so basically the way that my parents, uh, started having children was they went to masters were they were both grads. Uh, and they, uh, my dad was a mathematics major and a mathematics education major. So he went and got his credential and then never used it. He uh, felt a calling to ministry, mainly through the local church um, and helping out. And he was also an RA, a resident assistant at the Masters University. And he just felt um, a love for people. And I guess his mathematics helps him be a really um, compact and uh, organized person. So he was kind of perfect for the job. 
So he started out in Washington and um, had three kids there. And when um, my third youngest, uh, the third one down, Josiah was born. Six months after he was born, we moved to Salem, uh, lived there for six years. It's the capital of Oregon, an hour out of Portland. It's a great place. And then eventually we moved back to Southern Oregon where we've been since. So growing up in the church was really interesting. Um, I, uh, I liked it. I grew up in a youth group, um, had a lot of friends, and it was really cool. Uh, when I was younger, I had a speech impediment and couldn't speak a language. Um, that didn't stop me from speaking anyway. Um, I, I would talk constantly just in gibberish. Uh, I would talk especially on the phone, and no one would understand what I was saying. So actually, the state was able to provide a speech therapist, and I was able to start talking English at five years old, thankfully. Um, haven't stopped talking since. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but I think that the, the emphasis that was put on my life at that point was that I just loved to talk, and I loved to talk to people. And I just started developing a love for people. And so that, as you might know, is a pretty important aspect of salvation. Or not salvation, sorry. Uh, pretty important aspect of Christian life. And so it was. it's always been something that I love to do and has never been a problem for me. I love people. Love thy neighbor. Uh, so I got into public school and immediately started making friends and was living my salvation. Uh, I should mention, at five years old, <laughs> um, after VBS was when I accepted Christ. And it was on my grandmother's porch. Um, it was really great because at that point I loved people so much that I um, thought that everyone loved Christ and like everyone was going to church on Sunday and so um, it was kind of funny to find out that people weren't Christians and I think that was where I was like I need to set myself apart from these people and be a, one of God's chosen and I loved God um, very genuinely and loved everything that he did the story with the ark this is my five-year-old brain processing this so it was a pretty deep love and childlike love <laughs> um so it was really cool to accept christ and think hey his blood made my heart clean even though that makes no sense like practically so then um you know i moved to public school and uh it was great because uh, everyone had their own beliefs and no one really knocked on each other um sixth grade was interesting because I was starting to get, that's when middle school starts, and uh, I was starting to experience, okay, well now everyone's starting to branch off a little bit. In between seventh and, uh, sixth and seventh grade, I moved to Southern Oregon. So I had to start over and start um, from scratch and making friends, and that was really tough because then it was like, okay, now my, now my salvation is putting, now my faith is being put to the test. And I struggled it with it for, for a couple years and just um, really called myself a Christian but never really lived it out. I wasn't reading my Bible. I was acting pretty much like the kids at school. Um, and in my mind, I think the way I justified it was, I'm loving thy neighbor. And that wasn't the case at all. It was just falling into the trap of sin. Um, so in between 8th and ninth grade, I got called out pretty hard by my parents. Um, thankfully, and they um, did so pretty, um, what seemed at the time brutally, but really gracefully as well, and 
I really love them for it and um, really sat me down and said, hey, stop living as the world. Stop being uh, of the world. Um, live in the world, but not of the world. Um, we put you in public school for the sake of drawing people closer to the gospel, and it's having the opposite effect. So for a while, they were considering homeschooling me, which for me would have been the worst decision ever. It would have been the end of my life. So um, I didn't want that. I still considered myself a Christian because I believed um, in the Lord. So I started counseling with my pastor, my youth pastor, I should specify, and really um, was trying to take a hold of these issues. And bit by bit, the more I found that I served and was more involved with the church, that was like when I was starting to realize, okay, this is this is the the true act of a friend. This is um, what um, people and what um, body of um, people I should be associating with more than that of the world. And still being involved in the world um, to show the love of Christ, but um, who's influencing me, I think is the question I struggled with. In between sophomore and junior year, I took a missions trip to the Czech Republic. Um, that was really interesting because 90% uh, of their country is atheist. Uh, it's just been really interesting because with the rise of communism and with the rise of the Roman Catholic Church, a lot of wars, and with the Czech Republic being in the middle, they were really unsure about what they believe, just as a people in general. Their concept of sin was rape and murder, and that was it. Uh, they had no concept of Christ. And so I remember training for this missions trip by trying to explain what the gospel was without using any Christian terms. And I think explaining the gospel practically and trying not to <clears throat> trying to explain it to someone who had never heard it before, um, while I was saying it, it was being spoken into myself. And then going and seeing these kids wrestle with a huge decision that would make them outcasts in their family really struck a chord. Um, I think it was around this time, or it was a bit before that, my cousins moved to London to become missionaries, and I saw them struggling through the same thing, them being the only ones in their faith. And so I really developed a heart for for evangelizing and evangelizing to myself as well. It was kind of interesting. I, I did a um, presentation on Charles Wesley, and he... Uh, before he got saved, was preaching his heart out, trying to preach to people in hopes to save himself as well. And it's kind of like, you know, that concept that Dr. Plew says, getting the gospel from your head to your heart. I think that's the process that started. And so in the later years of my high school, I really um, tried to do that as much as possible. And and it was awesome because I was feeling myself grow spiritually. Um started serving in leadership at my youth group, which was a big blessing, starting to um, evangelize to my friends even. Uh, and my concept, uh, I, I think my purpose was in high school as I played music, and it's music is for the sake of musicality, but you know, in the in-between portions, I'm able to love my neighbor by saying, hey, um, we sit next to each other. You want to like grab coffee and talk? And so that was really cool because I was starting to evangelize to my friends. Um, you know, I, I think towards the later years of high school, it was kind of weird because I was thinking, okay, who are my true friends? The friends that I, A, genuinely get along with, and B, believe what I believe and can understand the things that I'm wrestling with. And that was hard because I felt like um, 
the people that believed what I believe, I couldn't necessarily um, have a lot of common ground with and interests and the people that had common ground in my interests didn't believe what I believed. So really, um, I only had one friend uh, and um, actually dated her. And that was really great. I, I think that um, the Lord really blessed us in that relationship um, until March when her dad uh, unfortunately passed away in a car wreck. And that put a whole new perspective on things. Um, really wrestled with that because I really loved her dad um, and their family. Um, and then so wrestling with the loss of her dad and then eventually the loss of her as we broke up really rocked, um, really shook me to my core. And it was really interesting trying to wrestle with all these and being at peace with it. And then I came to Masters, still wrestling with that. And it was just strange because I was really rejuvenated with the, the approach of friends who were like me. A lot of music major friends who loved Christ. What? Um, and then... Wait, those exist? Those exist? Actually, Maddie was one of the first who um, like, actually said, you, you're, you're a music major. I'm going to be friends with you. And it was honestly overwhelming. <laughs> It was kind of weird for someone to be so intentional like that. I think overwhelming is a good way to describe me sometimes. But I'm grateful for our friendship. And just <laughs> from that point, I think we've grown to really care for each other and see how God has used that. Anyways. Of course, yeah. And, yeah. And I honestly, I'm grateful for the friendships that I've had. Um, yeah, it was overwhelming. But eventually I sunk into it and it was really great. Um, and so freshman year came and went. Uh, sophomore year was a bit more of a struggle because now um, there's been a lot of things that have kind of shook me um, not as much as other things but like just tiny things here and there um, in hindsight not that big of a deal but things that kind of hurt at the time and then I think the biggest thing was um, towards the start of sophomore year is my grandmother uh, started to get really sick um, my grandmother is an amazing lady like I said I got saved on her porch and she had had an on again, off again relationship with cancer, and so it finally, um, it finally grabbed a hold of her. I said goodbye to her in uh, September. Was it September or August? Um, was it before you came or the day of Corral retreat? Right. So that would have been September. September. So right mm -hmm. at the beginning of September, she, um, she was really struggling, and it, um, medically it was really interesting to see, but. Um, it was pretty heartbreaking to see her in so much pain. Um, so I think we're on Corral Retreat, which is kind of an overnight trip where the crowd gets to know each other. And then the next day, I, I got home or back to my dorm, and 30 minutes later, my dad called asking if I wanted to go to San Francisco. So I went to San Francisco and um, actually said goodbye to my grandmother then. And then she said, uh, nope, I'm going to live for another six months. And so <laughs> she did. <laughs> <laughs> So we spent um, Christmas together. The Christmas was perfect. And then um, eventually um, in February, she passed. And that was, it was pretty shaking, um, having a loss of someone so spiritually influential in your life. Um, I think that, you know, usually when you hear like your grandmother passed, it's like, well, at least it's not your mom or something. And that's kind of our natural instinct. But seriously, I think my grandmother was like one of the biggest spiritual influences on my life. I mean, she... Um, just poured so much of who she was, and her story is amazing. 
um, and the way that she poured her love onto us and, and led by example in that fashion was really, truly amazing. So that was shaking. Um, and I never really came to peace with it until I went back home for the summer. And then that was, um, it was just kind of interesting to adjust to the new normal and still am, uh, not, won't lie. Like, I, I think I'm going to visit some family, uh, coming this Christmas and usually my grandmother would be there. And I think that would be interesting for all of us. But now I think approaching this year, I think one of the things I took away from last year was I was so high strung about everything that, um, I really need to be at peace with God and not rely on my own strength. And I, that's come through with some instances of finding out my own sin and um, just, you know, really finding that it's not worth it to try and do everything on my own because I will fail. So that's brought me up to this point. It's not going to be, it, it's not, my, my testimony will never be finished until I um, return home to heaven. But I think that's where I am at this point. It's just still suffering effects of things that have happened, but slowly, very, very slowly recognizing that it's not my strength, but the Lord's. And something that I've always tried to preach to myself, but still um, still wrestle with. So I, th I think that's where I am right now. So been an interesting and then you know this morning maddie texted me very late and said hey can you please come on to our show and um so i got up and said of course and so thank you for being so flexible and willing of course it is my pleasure <laughs> no we're really grateful for you and um just grateful i think to hear your heart and your testimony and um how much god has thrown you from being the little boy who couldn't speak Thank to the, you. <laughs> to the, wow <laughs> but to the grown man who loves the lord and is just trying to take life as lessons from god to learn from so um brooke do you have any questions i have one um um uh, i think it's important to address with young believers not like <laughs> not like, you know, not like you just got saved, but like, sure. you know, you're a younger person. Um, how God's, uh, how God will display himself um, in their lives and like how his will happens. I was just wanting to ask you, how did God display his will in your decision to go to master's while also dealing with grief? Oh, um, well, to be honest, um <laughs> So I chose masters before any quote unquote grief happened. Um, but it was really interesting because, uh, man, um, so coming to masters and visiting, apparently Maddie and I went to the same prelude weekend. We did. Uh, prelude for those of you who don't know is like for music majors, like you go ahead of time and they like introduce you to the program. So we were both in high school. Yeah. So I don't remember Maddie at all, but apparently I was a pretentious <laughs> jerk. Um, <laughs> No, okay, I, those are not my words. <laughs> no, it was just it was just funny because like you know, like I said, my family went to masters, and so Doctor Plu already knew my name, and right. um, I don't think it got to my head at all. But no, it, was it didn't. Funny. I just like to tease you that you were showing off, like, oh yes, my aunt was in grow. Oh. You weren't actually being a turd. I just like okay. to tease you. Well, about anyway, it. no, but it was just really encouraging. Um, I think I it was cool because I went to a couple different. Um, college weekend visits um, in a row uh, consecutively 
And so Masters was at the end. And I what I saw in Masters was just a love um, for the students from the faculty. <laughs> Garbage truck is working overtime today. Um, <laughs> but uh, just a, like a love for the um, the sense of uh, community that Masters brought. And it was interesting because I actually, I came a little bit early, earlier than the event and left a little bit later than the event. So I had the opportunity to stay with my friend in the dorms. And then um, I reached out to another guy that I knew of, but didn't really know me had coffee and uh, he was really influential. And so I think just, you know, the community of believers is so important um, with the body of Christ, checking in on your brothers and sisters and really caring for one another uh i think that's one of the biggest influences um and that's multi-generational that's not just uh, maddie you're what five years younger than me (laughs) you wish (laughs) no but it's like you know it's not just amongst your peers but against the uh but uh, with the older generation as well and so um i would say one of the biggest influences um back home uh is uh there's a lot of um, seasoned individuals who come up to me all the time and say, hey, we're praying for you as you're down in Southern California. Oh, that's the other thing, too, is Oregon hates California, and it's so mean sometimes, but they're like, oh, you're going to L.A.? That's like the worst decision ever. We're praying for you. I get it, though, because if you've ever been to Oregon and, and see how beautiful it is, I get it. Or see how Oregon drivers treat California drivers. It's the worst. It's true. When we went, I got to see some of that. People were like, oh, California. I was like, yeah. I'm like, oh, why do I live here? <laughs> but it's like, you know, Eventually, it's just like, you know, at the heart of it is just a love for fellow believers. So to see so many people, I think the um, intentional community aspect, uh, that's an inside joke. Yeah. Um, sorry. That's exclusive language. You. But seriously, in, <laughs> the intentional uh, community that believers have um, that you receive as well as give out, I think just shows the love of Christ. Because again, um I had trouble finding friends with common interests, mm-hmm. but thanks for, um, thanks to, you know, being a believer, that is the common interest. Right. And I think that's now where I, I find, okay, community can happen almost anywhere. So it's, it, it's still kind of a weird struggle to find friends that, are, that you instantly, you know, bond with and like get along with and have common interests and everything. But it's like, you know, we don't, the, the thankful part is the blessing is, that we're believers mm-hmm. and so that we can um that is which we uh, what we have in common right well and kind of touching on because there was a loss of your girlfriend's dad and then there was a loss of the grandma and um i i wasn't there when your girlfriend's dad passed away i i knew her though and i knew the story but i was there when your grandma passed away and um it was really just like you're saying, super awesome to see how um, other believers surrounded you through that time. Do you want to speak on that a little bit as to how that played into your loss? <laughs> yeah. So um, I think a little bit about my grandmother, um, just for context. She uh, she was born into a pretty wealthy family um, and uh, really had a pretty solid life. Um, she loved Christ. Um, her family loved Christ. She went to college and eventually dropped out. She married, um, married a man, 
and had two kids. Um, eventually, uh, my grandfather, whom I've never met, uh, uh, left, and I haven't met him yet. He's still out there. He um, reaches out. But it was interesting because um, she was left to raise two kids, send them to college, worked as a church secretary, um, good old Rita, and just uh, running the VBS programs and everything. Very, she loved the people that she worked with. Um, she had cancer 10 times throughout her life. Wow. And wow. <clears throat> uh, had stage four terminal, or sorry, not terminal, stage four ovarian cancer whilst my um, dad and aunt were in college. The corral sang to her um, mm-hmm. at that point, and um, basically the phone call was, goodbye, I'm headed to heaven, and then she lived for another 40 years. So, you know, the, I think eventually, I mean, not 40 years, sorry, not that long. She wasn't that old, <laughs> but, like, she lived for another, so, so she always knew that her time was borrowed. It was just funny because growing up, cancer was just something sorry cancer was just something that she dealt with she had her chemo treatments every month um there was a moment in which um her mother passed uh and then six months later her grandfather or her father passed and then uh, another few months later my cousins as i mentioned moved to london to become missionaries and fulfill their calling she was living in modesto california at the time and she said to um to us in Oregon man um I really am all alone and it was like yes I have the love of Christ but I have no family um a family near me so then she started um the process of moving to Oregon and that was really good and then she uh contracted cancer once again Mm -hmm. and it was crazy because it was contained it was everything but that required her to stay in Modesto for another couple years until eventually she just had a hunch and sold her house within a week. Actually, my first year of college, I want to say, and just moved to Oregon within a week. And so anyway, she she's just such a crazy, inspirational believer. I mean, cancer 10 times, um, led a cancer group, worked as a church secretary, um, loved her grandchildren. Her uh, Both her kids were are super solid believers and now working full-time in ministry. And, um, and she has humble enough to just, uh, just pour herself out and serve despite, um, having, (laughs) I think the ability to say, I want to be served because I'm suffering. No, she always had the reflection outwardly. Mm -hmm. And I think going to her memorial service was kind of crazy and people recognized that. So the memorial service was in Central Point where I'm from and people from, um, so my cousins came from London um, a lot of people from my church came and then a lot of people from Modesto came and it was just so cool to see so many people that she impacted and kind of weird honestly because I've grown up with her as my grandmother and then seeing all these people that were you know I was so close to Rita it was just crazy because she was so close to a lot of people mm. and so just the community that she exuded and and um, it was just such a big encouragement. And then, e- you know, even here at Masters, um, the day before she passed, um, each of her grandchildren with musical abilities sent her a little something. And um, the crowd was able to send her uh, a song that we had been working on. So that was a big blessing. And, and 
I think just you know yeah the the again the community and the love for thy neighbor but overall the love for Christ um that that was really inspiring and and really um really impactful in my life and I didn't really process it um until a little bit later but it was kind of crazy because and you know for me I was in the midst of insanity um <laughs> with academics and whatnot how many units were you taking uh, too many um, <laughs> I think 14 classes altogether Ugh, um man. wow <laughs> but uh yeah, it was just it was just a really big encouragement to see you know all that happening, um, and how the Lord um, really showed His love, um, and how my grandmother showed His love through her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, does that answer your question? That was really yes, long. yes, that does. I think. <laughs> um, do you have anything to add to that? I just want to say that. Sometimes I think, man, I really wish I would have gone to master's. And then I hear things like, I took 14 classes, and I'm like, eh, never mind. Uh, yeah. It's, um, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, you're still here, so. Alive. More or know, less. With a few more gray hairs than usual, but. No, I think that's uh, the, the other reason why I'm trying to have an emphasis this year on peace in Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's needed. It's because you won't be able to finish everything on time. So, yeah. What are you keeping on time? So, yeah. I. It's just kind of funny to watch a lot of people. I think that's why college friends are so close. Mm-hmm. That's why Manny and I are close friends for sure. It's just too many late nights working on theory. <laughs> it's true. There were many late nights where we're in a stuffy little practice room. Like, okay, what is this gorge? Why is that the root? <laughs> Nerding out. Um. Yeah. Some of us were nerding out. Okay, maybe <laughs> one of us. Some of us were us. just plain struggling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something I just want to point out that I'm hearing in your story just kind of as a common theme um, is this idea of love your neighbor and intentional community seems so important to you and talking to people and being in – um, intentional relationships where you're seeking time with people and in the time that I've known you I think it's safe to say you've always been good at that you're always spending time with people pursuing people um, and it also seems to um, like be a theme in your grandma's life and and how that played and you look to that as an example um, and how does that still play a role in your relationship to Christ and where do you hope that will take you <laughs> So in Matthew 22, um, this is uh, this is a verse that I or a passage that I reference quite frequently, um, and it's kind of it, I think it's kind of also the realization of just plain what do I do on earth? What do I do as a human? Because um, I don't know sometimes. <laughs> uh, so uh, Matthew 22 verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that they had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together, and one of them, uh, smart Alec, um, Mm -hmm. a lawyer, uh, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Um, And this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So I think um, early in my life, um, I love to talk. Didn't know how. 
Um, but I was exuding a love for neighbors. I think that um, in Matthew, what the biggest emphasis is was, yes, by all means, love your neighbor, but first you need to love your God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was, that's been the biggest thing. And I think, you know, even in the past two years, I have a nasty habit of loving the people more than I hate the sin and love God. And so that's why, I mean, even now, as I see some people falling, it's like, uh, unfortunately, I look at it from a very optimistic point of view. And it's, it's really much, uh, I'm really trying to love the person, hate the sin and love my God more. Mm-hmm. And so what am I going to do to serve others? Um, because I love them, but also because it's in obedience to the Lord. So how do I go about that? How do I, um, how do I approach a brother and say, I think what you're doing is against what a God is saying. And it's something that, and and how do I do that to myself too? (laughs) Um, and how do I accept that, um, when people say that to me? So that's where it's like, it, it really comes down to who do you love more? Do you love the world or do you love Christ? Do you love God? Right. So I think that's the biggest thing. Well, and um, that plays into the evangelism thing you were talking about in terms of like, you know, fear of man and when we share the gospel. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, my my cousins are a big example of this. They're the reasons that I'm in music at all. They mm-hmm. really love the art form. But they love serving, and that's why they opened themselves up to a missions agency and said, we're ready to go anywhere. They thought they were going somewhere completely different, but when they heard that London was in need of the gospel, they were like, well, the Lord really provides because that's where we thrive. That's where we're going to thrive, and they do thrive. I mean, my cousin is at one of the top musical theater conservatories in London and on his way to uh, act in the West End. My aunt is killing it. My uncle is a chaplain of an american football uh london team <laughs> it's just so crazy how they're using their passions to the purpose of god mm-hmm. and i think that's why i'm a music major why i'm doing what i'm doing um and hopefully um i don't know about this but i'm praying about actually heading to london to be a part-time missionary as well mm. um at least for a bit because i think that um, serving God is something that I really want to do. Um, and being a high school public educator, um, it's kind of interesting because it's like, well, you can't exclusively do that. Um, but how do you, um, how do you exude Christ without saying anything too? So anyway, that I, I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yes. Yeah. I have no idea. I kind of forget sometimes. (laughs) Um, I think, yeah. In terms of like, um, I mean, we don't need fear of man because God gives us the strength we need. And many times he's gracious enough to have that strength be our passion. Yeah, that was the question. Yeah, (laughs) my bad. Um, But yeah, I I think like, you know, seeing the example of so many people um, follow Christ more than anything and being willing to do whatever. And then the Lord says, well, you can do this with your passion. I think that's where the marriage of, you know, what you're naturally inclined to like. um, That's not sinful. (laughs) Um and the um the love for god really can play a really big role in what you do as a vocation mm-hmm. so um as dr plu says um your first priority is god your second fi- uh priority is family and your third priority is craft so mm-hmm. that's really another big influential thing in my life so 
how do I first pursue God, then pursue community, um, and then pursue my career. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes it gets backwards. <laughs> the order gets jumbled, right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. All right. Well, that concludes this today's episode. Jazz. Jazz. Well, I don't have a bass voice. I need to jazz. Jazz. A uh, scene in Parks and Rec where yeah, yeah no, that's stuff. exactly what we were talking about before. <laughs> Welcome to thoughts for your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> jazz on jazz on jazz. <laughs> uh, what do you think? I love that. No, uh, but yeah, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's what we were talking about. I was like, how can I use my sonorous tone oh no asmr uh, I, I was practicing that. on the way here I, yeah i could <laughs> tell you seemed prepared <laughs> all right well okay thank you thank you for listening thank you <laughs> we'll see well you'll well you'll hear us next time yes we'll, we'll catch you later on the pod <laughs> And thank you again, Jacob, for coming. Um, I think Brooke and I both treasure our friendship with you and are just grateful to see the cheery, optimistic guy you are. Definitely. It was nice to hear your testimony in detail. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was nice to hear it all. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for this ministry, whatever it may be and whatever it may grow into. Because I've been listening from the start and it's cool. It's really cool. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll see you guys next time. See you later. (laughs) The end. It's at the end. Okay. (laughs) We also just wanted to add that we have an email account. Um, So if you have any questions about anything you've heard or want to know more about anything or want to get in contact with someone, we have an email. It's bitlpodcast at yahoo.com. And then also I wanted to address um, a couple episodes ago, we did an interview with Kim and David Cummings. Kim has an awesome podcast coming out on September 25th. Um, She's restarting her podcast she had before. It's called Women's Hope. And you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you're listening to this. I'm sure they have it there. Um, So, yeah, we just wanted to let you know about that. But you should definitely listen to it because it's been awesome, been a huge encouragement to me. And I know it will encourage a lot of women out there. So, If what you've heard on this podcast is foreign to you or maybe doesn't make sense, we deeply encourage you to Google the website heartcrymissionary.com slash gospel and click on the first link. Uh, We love you and we're praying for you and thank you so much for listening.